When things go sideways, will you be prepared? Unfortunately, you cannot predict when you might have to go a long time without electricity or even food. Get preparedness products you can use now, and that could be a lifesaver later. Visit 4patriots.com slash huff, that's the number 4, patriots with an S, dot com slash huff, and see the current list of specials, but hurry, these deals don't last long. Save money and get peace of mind now by going to 4patriots.com slash huff. We could all use some consistency after the past couple of years, and you can get it with a side of mac and cheese from Gray Brothers Cafeteria. Don't let the new chairs and carpet fool you. It's the same delicious food served with a smile. Head on over to graybroscafeteria.com to see the phone number and email and to order a slice of pie for curbside pickup while you're at it. By the way, my favorite slice is a piece of chocolate. Gray Brothers Cafeteria, consistently delicious since 1944. If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out ZoomCalls.com. That's ZoomCalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Conservative, not bitter indeed. Here on day number 11, day number 11 of a Democrat party in crisis. I tell you, this is one thing after another. we got some things to get into today. Of course, we've got Bloomberg, we've got Van Jones, we've got, you know, the Nevada caucus members or I guess volunteers are now telling us that they have not been fully trained. That's right, not been fully trained. You would think, you would think if you were the Democrat Party that you would make sure that there would not be any chance of any repeat of Iowa as you get ready for the Nevada caucus, but never fear, (laughs) they're headed down the same potential path here, not even offering training training to the volunteers of the Nevada caucus, or Nevada, as Trump insists. Anyway, welcome to the program. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash Todd Huff Show, should you want to watch the program live or on demand on Facebook, so long as they allow that to be the case. So I want to start. Now, we're going to talk a little about Roger Stone as well, Um, but I want to start, since we are keeping account on the number of days the Democrat Party has been in crisis, I want to start with said crisis, right? We've been through this. The Democrats have thrown everything conceivable at President Donald Trump for, what is it now, three years? Actually, getting close to four, if you go back to the time he came down the escalator when he announced his presidency back in 
2000. Wait a minute. 2015. So we're getting close to five years. Woo. So five years. Five years of nonstop. And by nonstop, I truly mean I don't know how you could squeeze one more minute. One more minute of negative coverage, of uh, accusations, innuendo, and the rest. I'm not sure how you could do that, uh, even if you really, really tried. (laughs) So Trump is still walking. He's still upright. He's still moving forward. And the Democrats, this by now was supposed to be a a slam dunk. This was just supposed to be, like it was in 2016, by the way, a a mere formality, a mere formality where Hillary Rodham Clinton was going to be coronated as our new president. That, of course, did not work. And it appears at this particular point in time that the plans for the 2020 coronation of a yet undisclosed, unnamed, unchosen candidate is on rocky ground, to say the least. Right? This is not solid. This is is not a good position for the Democrats to be in. And so... They share with us uh, sometimes their feelings as to what is what is going on in the in the minds of the Democrat voter. And I've shared a clip from Van Jones the other day. Right, I played a clip from Van Jones saying the guy's actually right in what he's saying. Um, he's been right on a couple of things, and I hesitate to say that because, of course, it's Van Jones with communist connections and so forth. Good old Van Jones. But he's on uh, CNN again, talking about, in the wake of the New Hampshire primary, talking about the candidates, talking about just the, I guess, the lay of the land in, in New Hampshire and what's going through the minds of the Democrat voter. So I want you to hear this. If you haven't heard this yet, this is Van Jones telling us just exactly how Democrat voters feel at the moment as it pertains to the, their chances. Again, after after paving the way, paving the way for this to be a slam dunk with the incessant negative coverage going back to, what, Russian collusion to Ukrainian interference to take your pick as to what comes next or what else, what other details I've left out there. There's lots of them. Reasons people had given that Trump should be impeached, removed from office, all this sort of stuff. So this should be a foregone conclusion by this point that Trump is going to lose. His approval rating in Gallup was at an all-time high here recently. This is what Van Jones has to say on CNN uh, Tuesday night. There's a bunch of people who are sitting on the bench, sitting on the couch, who are just uninspired by politics as usual. But if you come forward with something different and fresh, they're going to come out of the hills and hollers and vote for you. And so far, we're not seeing that. Let's not forget, though, in New Hampshire, younger people, especially students, are having a harder time voting. Mm -hmm. Don't forget Mm -hmm. that. Uh, They change the rules. They change the laws. You have to register your car to be able to vote. I don't know what your car has to do with your ability to vote, but students can't just go and vote. And so that does push down a little bit on the Bernie Sanders' ability to operate there. He's got to be able to deal with that in other states with similar rules and similar laws. I think something else is going on, though. I think people are depressed. Yeah. I think people are sad. 
I think people can't figure out which of these people are supposed to vote for. And I think people are waiting to come out to vote against Donald Trump. I, I do think that this is an aberration. We're in this weird thing where, to your point earlier, people were coming out to vote on a Wednesday for an off-election county commission meeting because they felt there was a binary choice. This is a messy, confusing choice. People are sad and depressed, and people just want somebody to vote for against Trump. All right. People are sad and depressed. It's messy and confusing. They don't know who they are supposed to vote for. That's a that's an odd way of putting it. Like I could understand saying heading into a primary, heading into an election to some degree. I'm trying to be graceful here, but maybe maybe there's a couple candidates that somebody likes for whatever reason. Maybe they like that Elizabeth Warren pretends to be Native American. Maybe they like the story of corn pop and the legend of Joe Biden. Maybe. I don't know. And folks are trying to decide between particulars. Maybe they like the idea of Bernie Sanders running our uh, our nation with monopoly money. Everything's free and just uh, you just go print more and everybody's fine and there's no consequence for that. doesn't matter what the price tag is for anything. I don't know. I don't know what the case may be, but, but let's say that folks have two particular candidates that they're looking at uh, potentially supporting. And I can understand someone saying, I don't know which one I should vote for, right? I, I understand that line of thinking. But when someone says, who am I supposed to vote for? That almost implies to me that someone with the higher power, intellect, authority needs to decree who should be voted for. So I don't know if he means it that way. Who knows what the radical left, who knows what those with communist sympathies, what they're really saying. But this, you know, he's right at a point, and he may be right at a, even a deeper point, but these candidates are, are uninspiring. They're uninspiring. And part of it's because of, of what, you know, I saw the exit polling, right? The number one thing that, Democrats want, apparently, Democrat voters in Nevada, or excuse me, New Hampshire, the number one thing that they wanted was a candidate who could, quote, beat Trump. That's it. Now, if you're – there were, years ago, I started listening. I, I listened to different speakers, authors. Uh, I subscribed to Audible. I used to, to listen quite a lot to a guy by the name of Dennis Waitley. And Dennis Waitley, um, he has done a variety of things, but one of the things that he was involved in doing was training Olympic athletes. And he shared in some of his uh, what, speeches, trainings, whatever, that when training a top-tier Olympic athlete, it was much more beneficial, there was much greater result if when training, and I mean training them mentally, psychologically, how to think about the challenge before them, how to, how to, you know, the, the mindset of what it's like to step into the blocks and to deal with the pressure, the focus, you know, all these years of training coming down to the next 10 seconds of, of this person's life. And he said that there were much greater success rates at developing you know, champions or people who would achieve um, 
would would be more likely to say even overachieved than those who kind of choked, if you will, those that underachieved. And one of those factors was what's in your mind when you get into those blocks or whatever your event is. We're just picturing the 100-meter dash. And you get into the blocks. If you think about – they train them to think about the positive aspects of winning versus the negative aspects of losing. So in other words – you should think, you know, envision yourself on the top, you know, the, the top of the podium, right? In the center top, number one, putting the, getting the gold medal placed around your neck versus thinking, what if I don't achieve the gold medal? What if I don't make the podium? That's less of a motivation. That actually inhibits performance. And so much in the same way, much in the same way, if Trump is the objective, if, if your objective is to beat Trump, which should be said is a given, a foregone conclusion, whoever the Democrat nominee is uh, that we're going to face with Trump, we're, our objective is to defeat that person. But more than just defeating that person, it is to advance the things that we agree, that you agree with Trump about. And so – by definition, these folks are going to be uninspiring. <clears throat> excuse me. If only if they're only talking about how they're not Trump or how they can beat Trump, you're not giving us like like the the, the athletes that, that's being trained. You're not giving us a reason to focus on winning. You're giving us a reason to think about not losing. The Democrats, I think, would say if they uh, if they were thinking about this, that's what they've they've done here. And so, by definition. It's less inspirational. It's more full of fear. You don't have hope in that sort of circumstance and situation. And so it is psychologically a different thing. Somebody might say, well, what's the difference? Thinking about winning and thinking about not losing is logically brings you to the same point. Well, to a degree, yes. But to another degree, the mindset, the mindset and what happens as a result of that mindset can be dramatically different. Fear can w- restrict. Fear can cause hesitation, even panic. Fear can can just make it really difficult to achieve your goal, objective, whatever the case may be, in this case defeating Trump. And so when they say when they say that they want to have a candidate that just beats Trump, by definition, that's less motivating because you're playing to the fear side. You're playing to the side that Dennis Waitley, Dennis Waitley says is less less helpful to the athlete who trains not to lose versus the one who envisions himself or herself winning. The positive effects of winning versus the negative consequences of losing. It's much more motivational. There's something else. There's some other force, power, motivation some other drive that's happening there when the mindset is focusing on winning, which in the case of elections, if you want to focus on winning, you should give us reasons to support you, reasons to get behind you. Now, I'm not going to get behind any of these jokers, but I'm just simply saying Van Jones is right. And by definition of how they're running this campaign, how they're talking about, I mean, they've got some of their voters worked up into a frenzy because of how they talk about fear the dangers of Trump, right? This guy's a Nazi totalitarian. He's got concentration camps on the uh, on the on the border. I've said on the street corners. We may be a step away from that. 
according to what they tell us about him. But this is kind of the natural consequence, the what flows outward from this sort of mindset and, and thinking. And it's a depraved sort of mindset. It really is. It's it's not it's not one that's full of hope. You know, they keep comparing themselves back to or wanting to. They want to reinvigorate or re- reconnect the voter with a candidate in the same sort of way that Obama connected with hope and change. Now I would tell you the hope and change motto, and I gotta take a break here. The hope and change motto um might have been incredibly um empty because it didn't really substantively tell us anything but it was effective in the sense that it gave people something to strive for even if they had to connect the dots and just say well whatever i hope for is what president or candidate obama hopes for that's that's still a motivational sort of scenario instead of fear dread danger you know tyranny (laughs) or authoritarianism nazism (laughs) anyway gotta take a time out more on this when we get back, and we'll talk also, we'll talk about Roger Stone and that whole situation as well. But I have some other sound bites that I want to play um, showing and illustrating just how, just how big of a crisis the Democrat Party's in right now. Day number 11, officially, of a party in crisis. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. When things go sideways, will you be prepared? Unfortunately, you cannot predict when you might have to go a long time without electricity or even food. Get preparedness products you can use now, and that could be a lifesaver later. Visit 4patriots.com slash huff, that's the number 4, patriots with an S, dot com slash huff, and see the current list of specials, but hurry, these deals don't last long. Save money and get peace of mind now by going to 4patriots.com slash huff. We could all use some consistency after the past couple of years, and you can get it with a side of mac and cheese from Gray Brothers Cafeteria. Don't let the new chairs and carpet fool you. It's the same delicious food served with a smile. Head on over to graybroscafeteria.com to see the phone number and email and to order a slice of pie for curbside pickup while you're at it. By the way, my favorite slice is a piece of chocolate. Gray Brothers Cafeteria, consistently delicious since 1944. Welcome back. Again, day number 11. Actually, it's much more than that, but we can actually kick this thing off, this party in crisis, kick it off with the Democrat Party. Um the day of the Iowa caucus. And that's where we saw this for all. Uh, this was this was obvious for all to see. And as I mentioned off the top, they may be headed in a direction of repeating their mistakes because Nevada caucus volunteers are telling us that they haven't been trained. They haven't been fully trained. And the Iowa caucus is, what, uh, a week from this Saturday, so just a little over a week away. They haven't faced training. They don't They don't test apps. They haven't done that, or they didn't do that in the state of Iowa. Or if there was testing, it was tested very, very minimally. I saw here uh, the Iowa Democratic chair resigns. I saw him at a podium. It might have been during his resignation. I had read about this, but I hadn't seen any video clips. He's standing at the podium, and as he's standing there talking to the press, the sign falls off the podium as he's talking in the middle i mean it's just been 
<laughs> insult heaped upon uh, injury here at the Iowa caucus. The Democrat Party is literally a mess right now. Then we have, you know, the 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 front runner now appears to be Bernie Sanders, who is a devout socialist. That upsets a lot of the establishment in the party. The second place runner at this point is an individual with next to no experience, which again, I'm not – look, I'm not saying that political experience is necessarily what you want in a candidate. But you do want some sort of life experience. It would be nice if someone had experience being an executive. Now you say, well, Mayor Pete has been the mayor of the city of South Bend, and that's, that is true. He has been the mayor. Um, but the mayor of a city of 100,000 is, is a much different scenario than being president of the United States. And this, of course, to the to the establishment folks, having a lack of experience politically is still considered uh, a negative, even though to some folks like myself, other conservatives, many of you would look at someone not being part of the system, someone who doesn't have a lifetime commitment to being a politician. We view that as a as a good thing. Our founders, by the way, would have viewed that as a good thing. Anyway, the point is is that they are at a loss. They're heading in the, into Nevada. It's quite possible that Bernie – excuse me, that well, Bernie could still win. So could Joe Biden. But I don't know if you saw this as they're squaring away for the state of Nevada. One of the big unions in Nevada, the Culinary Union – remember, this is the group – this is the group. I believe this is the group. Uh, they were going to uh, – candidates were going to boycott one of the debates that was held in Nevada because uh, the, the union was on strike and they were going to uh, show their solidarity. Workers around the world unite and not have the – not participate in the debate until this union had its demands met and their contract – renegotiated that that almost caused one of the debates to get canceled or postponed or whatever they did however settle come to an agreement and the candidates continued to have their silly little debate out there but anyway the culinary union is now telling um folks to not support a candidate who is in favor of medicare for all so this throws yet another gear uh, another wrench into the gears of the Democrat Party. You've got Bernie Sanders, who's apparently at this point appears to be the front runner. I think that there could be some question about that because we have such a, a small sample size. And, um, you know, there's still a ton of delegates out there to be claimed. That being said, at this point in the game, it's about, it's about uh, momentum. It's about fundraising. It's about keeping your campaign <laughs> financially uh, capable of, of keeping the doors open, solvent, and being able to continue to uh, you know, effectively campaign. There's, of course, looking at polling, looking at projections and all this sort of stuff as well. But that's the, – these – Iowa and New Hampshire set kind of the expectation for that as much as anything. If you perform really poorly – or if you should have performed well in one of those states and you didn't, like 
Elizabeth Warren, you've got serious problems, serious problems on your hands. So anyway, these these early states and some of these mitigating factors, such as the culinary union saying, hey, we're telling our members, which is a decent-sized union, which of course speaks to other union members in the state of Nevada as well, don't support a candidate who supports Medicare for all. And that's, of course, Bernie Sanders. You know, you, that, that opens a door to a candidate like a Joe Biden. If these members listen to their, to their union reps, a candidate like Pete Buttigieg, right? And so that could be, play a factor here as we move into Nevada as well. And this is just another example of a wrench in the gears, Right as as the clip I played from Van Jones says, people are confused. They 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 want a binary choice, A or B. That's what Van Jones says. Don't don't make this overly complicated for me. I can't have Klobuchar, Warren. You know what happens if I just want a a female president? What am I supposed to do there? You're giving me two choices between the you know the, the one thing that matters to me. A particular voter might say, "How do I to make that decision? How do I make a decision between?" Biden and Buttigieg or whatever, or between uh, Sanders and Warren. They're both socialists. How do I decide? This is way too complicated, way too confusing. We just want someone up there that can beat Trump. That's the narrative. That's what they're sticking with. And Van Jones is right when he says that this is, this is messy. But the idea, I don't know. We had We had a lot more candidates. I have to go back and look, but I feel like Republicans had a lot more candidates heading into... Uh, Nevada than we have now with the Democrats. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'm talking about those that are really, you know, on the debate stage, not those that have still kept their names, you know, on the ballot, so to speak, haven't officially dropped out, but are nowhere to be seen. Like yesterday, I announced that Michael Bennett had dropped out, and I'm sure some of you were scratching your head saying, I didn't even know there was a candidate named Michael Bennett. It's Todd making up names of candidates now. No, I wasn't. I wasn't doing that. But, you know, they didn't officially drop out. But when you look at those that really have a chance, I guess at this point, who are in the race, Biden, Klobuchar, Buttigieg, Sanders, Warren. I even hesitate to say Warren. And then, of course, out on the sidelines, you've got Bloomberg. I feel like the Republicans, and maybe I'm wrong, had more candidates still in the race at this point. I didn't feel confused. I might not have known, or some folks may not have known which candidate we wanted to vote for. You know, there might have been some confusion or uncertainty there. Maybe you liked a couple, and you were trying to weigh the differences between those two. But I don't know that confused or depressed <laughs> would have been uh, adjectives that you would have used to describe how you felt at that time, depressed. It's just a bizarre, and I'm not saying he's wrong, but I do think that there is an, there is an element of that in, in the modern Democratic Party because, because of what, how important they view politics and how important they view their political leaders, especially president. You know, I've, I've said on here before, I don't need... And this is not meant to apply to all all Democrats, but there are some that look at government as effectively as a as a god, as as the the be all end all. Whatever government says, I'm going to better do it, and the government has the right to tell everybody what to do in all sorts of minutia and details in their lives. I already have a 
a God. I don't need a, someone else here on earth to play that position. In fact, I just need a government that does the minimum required to fulfill its responsibility and duty. And by the way, the budget that they ask for should be uh, based upon that minimum involvement that the government, the federal government should have in our lives. That's not how the left looks at this. The government's there to solve our problems, to create opportunity, to distribute wealth equally. And so when they see that there's no candidate rising to the front that can kind of lead this charge, it is depressing because they put so much faith. And again, I'm not talking about everyone, but I'm, I'm speaking about a pretty healthy segment of the modern liberal <clears throat> modern liberal party, the modern Democrat party, especially for the socialists. That's why they're so enthused about Bernie because he's going to make things right. He's going to take care of them. He's going to give them what they need and make someone else pay for it. And that's really where we are. And that's why Van Jones is right. That's why we're right here when we say this is day 11 of the Democrat party in crisis. When we get back, I want to play a clip of something else. Uh, another, this is a smaller segment of the Democrat Party, but there's a conversation that uh, Tommy Laren had with one of the members of, one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter. And I want you to hear the justification um, and the things that this individual, this guy says, um, as it pertains to, <laughs> as it pertains to certain aspects of how, uh, well, I guess you could say of protest, but this is much, much worse and much more uh, aggressive than just a protest. I want you to hear how he justifies some of this behavior. When we get back, you're listening to the Home of Conservative, Not Better Talk, day number 11, Democrat Party in crisis. Back here in just a minute. When things go sideways, will you be prepared? Unfortunately, you cannot predict when you might have to go a long time without electricity or even food. Get preparedness products you can use now, and that could be a lifesaver later. Visit 4patriots.com slash huff, that's the number 4, patriots with an S, dot com slash huff, and see the current list of specials, but hurry, these deals don't last long. Save money and get peace of mind now by going to 4patriots.com slash huff. We could all use some consistency after the past couple of years, and you can get it with a side of mac and cheese from Gray Brothers Cafeteria. Don't let the new chairs and carpet fool you. It's the same delicious food served with a smile. Head on over to graybroscafeteria.com to see the phone number and email and to order a slice of pie for curbside pickup while you're at it. By the way, my favorite slice is a piece of chocolate. Gray Brothers Cafeteria, consistently delicious since 1944. Welcome back. So, want to play this soundbite I mentioned before the break. Tommy Laren is speaking with a leader of the Black Lives Matter, Greater New York. His name is Hawk Newsom. Hawk Newsom. This is on uh, something that uh, the Fox Nation, right? So there's Fox News, which is the the television, um, you know, the the cable news channel, and there's Fox Nation, which is something that uh, you subscribe to. But she's sitting down here. She's sitting down here with Hawk Newsom, and she's talking about. 
issues that pertain to Black Lives Matter and uh, the things that they're uh, just the way that they go about, I guess, addressing the issue, um, the issues that they feel are important. And so she's, I want you to hear this conversation. Again, this is a, a, a small segment of the Democratic Party, but it still is a segment of the Democratic Party. And to listen to what he's justifying here, <laughs> I mean, absolutely insane to, to hear the things that he's saying here. So I want you to listen to this again. This is Tommy Laren interviewing the president of Black Lives Matter of Greater New York, Hawk Newsom. Listen to this. I'm not going to disagree with what you believe in. I'm not going to disagree with the way that you believe it. What I'm saying is this. When we're talking about solving problems, the methods in which I've seen groups like Black Lives Matter advance their, their ills or societal grievances, when it turns into burning, looting in the streets, I don't see it being productive. I don't see it advancing the how, cause that I read on that paper. You're talking about 1% of these marches. But you don't say anything against them, how, though. But how, how could you don't say that You know what? Because a riot is the language of the unheard, right? And for a country that drops bombs on people, for a country that, that incarcerates people, for a country that enslaves people to criticize us, Right. For, 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 for vandalism is preposterous. I want to make sure I'm getting you clearly. It is OK to vandalize, to light things on fire and to loot businesses because the United States of America drops bombs on other countries and because we have problems, problems here and we have grievances, people have grievances. It is OK to act in that manner. And you co-sign onto that as the chairman of Black Lives Matter. You were saying that that is OK. Let me explain something to you. I think that it is a tool of white supremacy to say, if you want what you get, if you want freedom, then you get it by protesting peacefully. Why is it a tool of white supremacy? Because the white supremacists who built this country never earned anything peacefully. They did it through bullets and blood, and that's the American way. All right. So, I mean, we're half a step now. Half a step now from calling, calling for outright, I guess war. I mean, it sounds like to me. If you want, if you want freedom, you got to get it. He says, "I'm just quoting. I'm just the messenger here. Don't be mad at me." He says, "You got to have. You got to be willing to use bullets, and you got to be willing to spill blood for freedom." Now, when dealing with tyrants, absolutely. That, I mean, and you go back to the founding of this nation. You go back to the founding of this nation when we had a tyrant who tried to oppress. You have to say the only way that I'm going to stop being oppressed is to fight, uh, to fight to not be oppressed. Now, had the oppressor said, you know what, we're going to stop or we're going to withdraw from the country, there wouldn't have had to be bloodshed. See, the, there's a difference between fighting for one's freedom versus fighting for someone else to do something against their will because you tell them that they should. And I'm not saying that that's uh, necessarily everything. Uh, there's, there's aspects of the Democrat Party that's telling us that 
you know, they, they've conflated these things. To fight to be free, to be left alone, is, is to fight to be free from the oppressor. To fight for demands or, I don't know, to, to, to fight for, um, I don't know, some sort of a payback for slavery or whatever the case may be, saying you have to owe us this and we will fight you until you give it to us. That's something altogether different. This is a different type of, type of fighting. And if there's fighting to be freed from oppression, then absolutely, absolutely someone should be able to fight to protect their life, liberty, property, their ability to pursue happiness. But if something's not going your way and someone else isn't doing what you think that they should do to help you solve your problem through the government force and you say, we're going to fight, we're going to use bullets and blood, that's not, that's not at all the same thing. I just look. We're to the point now where there are some very, very angry and very, very violent segments of the of the population of of the Democratic Party. They put on masks and call themselves Antifa and so forth. And you look out across the, you just just using sense here, and you look out there across this fruited plain, and you think, my goodness. To not be able to say that rioting is a bad thing, burning people's property, destroying things, assaulting people, jumping on cop cars, throwing bricks through business windows, setting fires. You've heard me before have to explain when a riot becomes – excuse me, when a protest becomes a riot. had some, some fun with that when you see your first fire in the middle of the street. When the first person starts dancing on top of the cop car, when the rocks start to go hurling through the air at law enforcement, right? You've no longer you're no longer attending a protest; you're attending a riot, and those things are dramatically different. There's one thing to fight yourself if you're being attacked by the police, for example. There's another thing. There's a, something altogether different to proactively attack your neighbors, their businesses. And law enforcement who are trying to maintain peace in the area. That's that's how is that the language of the oppressed? Anyway, I've got to take a break. Again, day number eleven, Democrat Party in crisis. When we get back, I want to say a little bit about uh, Roger Stone. What's going on there? That'll probably move over to the second hour as well. But I promise you that we would do that. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. When things go sideways, will you be prepared? Unfortunately, you cannot predict when you might have to go a long time without electricity or even food. Get preparedness products you can use now, and that could be a lifesaver later. Visit 4patriots.com slash huff, that's the number 4, patriots with an S, dot com slash huff, and see the current list of specials, but hurry, these deals don't last long. Save money and get peace of mind now by going to 4 slash huff. We could all use some consistency after the past couple of years, and you can get it with a side of mac and cheese from Gray Brothers Cafeteria. Don't let the new chairs and carpet fool you. It's the same delicious food served with a smile. Head on over to graybroscafeteria.com to see the phone number and email and to order a slice of pie for curbside pickup while you're at it. By the way, my favorite slice is a piece of chocolate. Gray Brothers Cafeteria, consistently delicious since 1944. 
back. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Roger Stone. I think we did this a little bit yesterday, hour number two, hour number two as well. Um, also want to get to Bloomberg. I wanted to include that in the – well, don't have time right now. We'll look at that second hour. But um, the situation with Roger Stone. So Roger Stone, if you remember, he was his, – his home was raided. There was a uh, – basically the, the SWAT team showed up, kicked his door in, so to speak, detained him. At 4 in the morning, CNN was tipped off. You remember this, right? You remember all this. Nobody has much of a problem with this. I mean, conservatives do, civil libertarians uh, do, people who respect um, you know, using excessive force in situations like this. We, we see a problem with this, obviously, especially when you let the guy out by, by lunch. So, so Roger Stone, after all that happened – Right to make again, this happened. I can't overemphasize this enough. This happened because of his association with Trump. And so, the allegations about what's happening right now with the Department of Justice the Department of Justice has come out and said, We don't agree with the sentencing uh, recommendations made by the prosecutors in this case. We think it's over the top and harsh. And candidly, these this is over and top and over the top and harsh because of his. Political affiliations. This is bad in America, folks. This is this is bad in America to to punish someone. First of all, the only reason, the only reason people like Roger Stone and Paul Manafort uh, were charged with any other crime had nothing to do with Russian collusion. This all happened because they became under the you know under the microscope, under the magnifying glass of the federal government, and they were not going to let. These folks get away with nothing. Now, I'm not defending. If they committed other crimes, they should have to deal with the consequences of that. I'm not defending that. But what I am saying, what I am saying is there's something reprehensible about targeting people first and foremost because of their political affiliations and then using excessive force such as kicking in a door at 4 a.m. to detain someone that you're going to let out basically by lunch. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And the idea that they are trying to inflict a harsher sentence on Roger Stone is not out of the realm of possibilities. And for the Justice Department to fight back against that is a perfectly legitimate rule. Now, of course, the narrative is that's because they're trying to protect their allies and abuse their powers. See, Trump's a a dictator, obviously, as it is, totalitarian, and on and on and on and on this thing goes. Anyway, just running out of time here. We'll talk about this a little bit. After the hours uh, in second hour, second hour here of the program, I just don't have a lot of time here before we wrap up first hour. So listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. When things go sideways, will you be prepared? Unfortunately, you cannot predict when you might have to go a long time without electricity or even food. Get preparedness products you can use now, and that could be a lifesaver later. Visit 4patriots.com slash huff, that's the number 4, patriots with an S, dot com slash huff, and see the current list of specials, but hurry, these deals don't last long. Save money and get peace of mind now by going to 4patriots.com slash huff. We could all use some consistency after the past couple of years, and you can get it with a side of mac and cheese from Gray Brothers Cafeteria. Don't let the new chairs and carpet fool you. It's the same delicious food served with a smile. 
Head on over to graybroscafeteria.com to see the phone number and email and to order a slice of pie for curbside pickup while you're at it. By the way, my favorite slice is a piece of chocolate. Gray Brothers Cafeteria, consistently delicious since 1944. All right. Well, that unfortunately about wraps up the first hour. But look, we there's there's... I think two factors at play here when you look at the Roger Stone situation. Number one, justice should be served no matter the person's political party background. If a person's guilty, um, those things should be addressed through the, well, the scales of blind justice, right? Lady lady justice and her blindfolded scales and so forth. And that's that's not what we have. And targeting someone politically on the front line, front end is a reprehensible thing as well, and it appears to me that that's what's happened. Anyway, more on this in an hour or two. Got to take a break. SDG, thanks for listening. Take care. When things go sideways, will you be prepared? Unfortunately, you cannot predict when you might have to go a long time without electricity or even food. Get preparedness products you can use now, and that could be a lifesaver later. Visit 4patriots.com slash huff, that's the number 4, patriots with an S, dot com slash huff, and see the current list of specials, but hurry, these deals don't last long. Save money and get peace of mind now by going to 4patriots.com slash huff. We could all use some consistency after the past couple of years, and you can get it with a side of mac and cheese from Gray Brothers Cafeteria. Don't let the new chairs and carpet fool you. It's the same delicious food served with a smile. Head on over to graybroscafeteria.com to see the phone number and email and to order a slice of pie for curbside pickup while you're at it. By the way, my favorite slice is a piece of chocolate. Gray Brothers Cafeteria, consistently delicious since 1944.